Hello, everybody, and welcome to Today in Space. This episode is a space news episode, and what we're going to do is go through some of the recent space news that's happened in the last few weeks, the last month, uh, since the last time we've had a space news episode, actually. And this week's a little bit different. We actually got to go out and actually do some kind of reporting here on Earth, and that was with uh, me and Sarah uh, going to the March for Science. So uh, we recorded, uh, we tried to find some people to interview, and what we're going to do is at the end of the episode, we're going to run all of our recordings from that day and kind of our final thoughts on the March for Science. But to start, we're going to do some orbital news. And orbital news for anybody who's new is anything that's has anything that's anything that's in an orbit we're talking news and that's the earth that's things around earth that's around the solar system everything is in orbit so it pretty much covers the whole gambit so to start off for this week uh there's some great news some congratulations congratulations that's the word are in order on the international space station for astronaut peggy whitson doctor Whitson, uh, who set the new record for U.S. astronaut space flight. And it's the, if I'm not mistaken, the longest duration one. Let me actually find it here, folks, so I'm not uh, perpetuating fake news. Uh, (laughs) So she was honored because she achieved the most time in space of any astronaut, uh, U.S. astronaut, uh, 534 days aboard, aboard, uh, aboard the space station, and she's still on the space station uh, commanding it for the second time, uh, and uh, by the end of her mission, wherein she'll return in September, uh, so she's going to keep racking up that record. So before it was Scott Kelly, uh, then after that... Uh, I think I believe it was Jeff Williams, and now it is Peggy Whitson, and she's going to not only grab the all-time record for U.S. astronauts, but also the longest for uh, the the most spacewalks by a female and the most time spent spacewalking by a female, uh, which were already secure uh, as of it, and she's going to add to both of those numbers on May 12th, and... She's also scheduled to venture out of the station's airlock again. That was uh, according to one of the articles in our Space Link, and uh, it's, it's, it was a great it was a great week. And even the White House got involved. Uh, it was very uh, it's very interesting. Uh, I was actually on my phone. I actually managed to catch a few minutes of it live, uh, where the White House uh, President Trump, Ivanka Trump, and Kate Rubins were in the oral Oval Office. Oof. Uh, and, <laughs> uh, they, uh, it was, it was a good back and forth. Uh, a lot of things were spoken, uh, back and forth about space being a very, uh, key function of American society and, and America as a country. Uh, there was a lot of talk of private, uh, partnerships, uh, you know, the, the private sector essentially getting involved. And uh, President Trump actually bo- asked all the astronauts, uh, both in the Oval Office and on the NASA station, who'd be willing to go to Mars. And of course, everyone rose their hands, uh, raised their hands. Whew, words are tough, people. Uh, so that was a, uh, a pretty good thing. You, you, had, you can catch all those things on uh, the space links for this week's episode. 
next, we've got to talk about Enceladus and Europa news, uh, where NASA came out recently saying that there's uh, there are bubbling oceans that have the ingredients for life uh, in possible breeding ground for microbial life that are in the oceans. And just to grab a few quotes here from uh, NASA themselves, from one of the articles, uh, the presence of ample hydrogen in the moon's ocean means that microbes, if any exist there, could use it to obtain energy by combining the hydrogen with carbon dioxide dissolved in the water. This chemical reaction known as methanogenesis, methanogenesis, uh, because it produces methane as a byproduct, it, which is at the root of the tree of life on Earth and could even have been critical to the origin of life on our planet. And if you remember correctly, Curiosity was actually going out and sniffing a little bit of methane that it found uh, in vapor on Mars because if there is any, va- any methane in the air or on the planet at all, it's a good chance that there's some possible chance of life that's actually living there. It could be giving it off or using it as fuel. So uh, all these things are are pretty cool. I mean, it's not a, a, a mind-blowing discovery. We always thought, you know, especially since there were water, we found out that on Europa there was water, Enceladus has water. So there's these oceans beneath the surface that, uh, according to the latest research, you know, this, this confirmation that the chemical energy for life exists within the ocean of a small moon of Saturn. It's, it's an important milestone, as, as the quote says, in our search for habitable, wor- habitable worlds beyond Earth. That was by uh, Linda Spilker, uh, the Cassini Project Scientist at NASA's JPL in Pasadena, California. So, you know, th- these, are, these are, are great discoveries. Uh, plenty of things to come from that, obviously. It's not over. Uh, it's just the beginning. But, uh, you know, it's it's confirmation of what we already said, and that now there's even more reason to go there. Um, you know, talking to a few people, wondering, okay, well, why isn't this as big a discovery as it is? Because it's only really directing us once again towards the signs of life. It's not saying there is life. Uh, you know, basically, it's just saying that you know, life as we know it requires three primary ingredients: liquid water source of new energy for metabolism, and the right chemical ingredients, primarily carbon, hydrogen, nitrogen, oxygen, and phosphorus and sulfur. Uh, So the findings that uh, Cassini has shown uh, that Enceladus, which is a small icy moon, billion miles farther from the Earth than the Sun, has nearly all the ingredients of the habitability. And Cassini not only shown that phosphorus and sulfur are present in the ocean, but scientists expect them to be, since the rocky core of Enceladus is thought to be chemically similar to meteorites that contain the two elements. So uh, those two elements in there are already there, and all these things are just good indicators that life could be there. So basically, if you're searching the infinite abyss, if you're searching for where there could be life, you're going to look where we know it is. So one of the truths we know, because this is where we came from, uh, there, there's there got to be some water involved, and there's got to be these ingredients involved. And so we, we're kind of reverse engineering where to look for life. We're saying, okay, we know that our life uh, gives off these things, or these ingredients were involved, so wherever we can find those things, we should go look. And it actually should be a bigger discovery than really the, the Trappist one discovery 
Although that's obviously an exciting discovery because this is something we can go to. This is something we can do in our lifetimes. So it's a very big discovery. It opens up the discussion for getting funding and, and, you know, us being more sure that there's a better chance of life being there instead of just water. These other indicators are a great selling point to get the funding needed to go to a place like this. So next, we're going to move on to some private space business news. Uh, So obviously, we're going to talk about SpaceX, and we're going to talk about Blue Origin. Now, the big thing with these two, you have to know, is SpaceX obviously recently just had the amazing accomplishment with the SES-10 mission of success, being the first people to reuse an orbital rocket, which is a valuable, valuable tool for delivering communication satellites, larger payload, and eventually our, our own astronauts from American soil again. So uh, I just want to retouch on why that is su- such a great thing. And and one of the reasons why I, I find it such a, a noteworthy thing to talk about, you know, number one, that one of the things SpaceX has done very well, and what I think the private sector can do very well, is pushing the agenda through success. You know, if if you had to ask me what SpaceX has done for human spaceflight more than anything else, it's that they've, in their 15-year existence, you know, ever since Elon Musk had the X.com PayPal money that he got from selling his company, and he decided to put it essentially all. He put all his money both into Tesla and to SpaceX, but last the last of his money went into SpaceX. They had one final try, and what they were trying to do was change the way the game is done, and it can't be done unless something gets put on the line. You know, a big gamble like that, a big vision-changing thing like that doesn't happen uh, just because people want it to. It takes money, just like all these things. That's why only world powers, you know, giant countries have been able to have space programs because it costs a lot of money and it's very difficult. So in 15 years, we've gone from no way are you ever landing a rocket, no way are you ever going to reuse a rocket. That's just not how the this game works. You don't know what you're talking about. Now it's, yes, now we can work towards having space be something that's accessible uh, way more than it ever has been. And, and we can change the whole dynamic of this cost game that we have to play as, as anyone who's in this business. Uh, not that I am, but <laughs> we're all a part of it. It all, it all affects us. So they, they've, they've pushed the agenda from from where it was, and, and it needed that push. NASA doesn't have the funding to do that itself. So it's great to have a private company doing that. Um, you know, also reusability and cost, we kind of just touched on it. Think about the analogy of a plane. You know, the whole reason you can buy tickets, even though they're still expensive, the reason you can have a $300 ticket is because it's spread across the whole cost of the plane. And the plane doesn't go just once there. It's not a one-way trip and they throw out the plane afterwards. That's what we were doing with rockets before. So now what we can do is start reusing these rockets, making them a little bit better, uh, adjusting them, and basically, you know, only having to build these things a few times, like a car, and and patch it up, like commercial airplanes, airliners. Uh, This is, uh, it changes the whole dynamic of how this is done. And, of course, uh, finally, the whole space industry got a kick in the ass towards the future, and and a real good one. You know, now everyone's talking about doing reusability. Reusability is now the new buzzword in uh, the aerospace industry, and anyone who talks about space is talking about SpaceX right now. So they're doing the right 
thing for the ultimate good of us becoming a spacefaring species. They're pushing the agenda and getting us moving better and faster and cheaper than we've ever done before. So at the very least, cheaper. Um, and even more at the very least, <laughs> if that wasn't enough, uh, cool. Uh, watching these launches is amazing and watching these rockets land is incredible. And uh, also to touch on that, we got to talk about Blue Origin. Um, not too much to report, but Blue Origin in the last month released that they are going to be coming up with the new Glenn system. Uh, it's a rocket that looks very similar to SpaceX's Falcon 9, um, will be comparable to the Falcon 9. And actually, they're also talking about that whole new Glenn system being used as the same way the Falcon Heavy will be with three rockets. They all return back to their, their pad or land on some space barge. Uh, but I mean, you're literally seeing it. You're seeing the industry adapt to something that's working, and that's happened because SpaceX has done it. But uh, not only that, uh, New Glenn's uh, going to be... It already has its first uh, customer, if I don't believe. Let me pull up this article here. Okay, so according to Space.com, and this article will be available in the Space Links, uh, Blue Origin has now secured a contract to use New Glenn to launch a geostationary satellite for UTELSAT's communications uh, sometime in 2021 or 2022, according to a statement from UTELSAT released on March 7th. Uh, to uh, quote from... Uh, Rudolf Belmer, the UTELSAT CEO, including New Glenn in our manifest, we are pursuing our long-standing strategy of innovation that drives down the cost of access to space and drives up performance. Uh, this can only be good news for the profitability and sustainability of our industry. So take it from their perspective, you know, the people that are actually purchasing rides on these rockets, because essentially that's what they are. They're, they're cargo delivery services, uh, if you really want to boil it down. They're pitching a wreck because they don't have their own rocket. So it's a very expensive pursuit for them, too. They have to fund, essentially, the cost of riding that rocket. And if the rocket can be reused and that cost goes down, these companies can do more. They can they can think grander. They can do more with what they're doing or do more launches, provide more coverage for their customers. Uh, and more companies are now able to access space because of this new trends. We've got two companies, private companies run by similar background people, you know, uh, Silicon Valley types, online uh, business types who are really uh, pushing the agenda. And these tech guys seem to know what they're doing. It seems to be working. Um, and also pretty interesting, I noticed this here, uh, the BE4 engines, which is a, an American-made engine that all of the Blue Origin rockets use, uh, they will actually going to be sold to the United Launch Alliance, and they're going to be powering the new Vulcan rocket, which, of course, was named after Leonard Nimoy uh, passed away. There was actually a contest on Twitter, at least online, where they were asking what they should name the new rocket, and Vulcan is what actually got picked. So I love that. Uh, it's always great when uh, rocketry and sci-fi mix, and who doesn't love the Vulcans? Uh, so all good things, of course, definitely laughed at the similarities of uh, Blue Origin's video to what the SpaceX videos look like. But like I said, when you create the new standard for the industry, uh, you know, it's not yours anymore. Then that's, I think, very much understood on the SpaceX end. So uh, let's see. Next, uh, just a quick thing before we get to the Dream Chaser craft, which I've been wanting to talk about. Uh, 
on Twitter, uh, we've been uh, talking, our space piece have been talking, and uh, the Space Pants Squad uh, has been talking a lot online. We've been Twittering like crazy. We have one thread that's still going. Uh, it started during the last launch, uh, I believe. I don't remember uh, which company. I think it was Orbcom. Uh, sorry, um, Orbital ATK. And it started since then. It was like last week or so, the week before. And it's still going. I mean, uh, I literally had to turn off the notifications on my phone because it was literally crashing my phone. Uh, and it's been great, you know, meeting tons of new people uh, who talk space or are interested in space. And we're talking about anything and everything, which is really refreshing. And uh, it's the first time I've ever been a part of something like this. I mean, the thread is probably close up to 3,000 posts at this point. I mean, this thing is going for a really long time. Um, I love the Space Pan Squad. Uh, it started it started online and uh, kind of it's grown out of control into this new thing. And we're seeing new people join the conversation all the time, which is really what it's all about. And... It's amazing. I love the Space Band Squad. I'm repping it. Love all you guys and uh, looking forward to talking to you guys online. Uh, finally, we got to talk about the Dream Chaser uh, spacecraft. Real short, Dream Chaser spacecraft is a smaller version of the Space Shuttle. Uh, and basically, um, you can compare it more to the size of a large pickup truck than you can to the shuttle, which was uh, at least three times as large. I don't have the actual numbers, but it was a lot larger than the Dream Chaser. And the Dream Chaser would essentially just attach onto the top of the rocket, akin to what you saw in the movie Interstellar. That would kind of be the same setup. You know, the way that that uh, spacecraft launched is very similar to the Dream Dream Chaser. Oh, man, words are hard today. The Dream Chaser craft. And... um, it, it didn't seem like it was going to have a future for a little while there. You know, it, it lost out on the big contract from NASA uh, for the commercial crew program. It did receive some funding, um, but it, it wasn't, it's not being used. Uh, you know, they're still in development. So, uh, but they, they did a drop test uh, recently. You know, it, it, it dropped back in and actually went to the runway. It, it looks great, and I love the spacecraft idea. It's, it's from uh, the Sierra Nevada Corporation. And it was developed as a reusable, lifting body, uh, multi-mission spacecraft capable of landing at commercial airports or spaceports that can be accommodated to large commercial aircraft anywhere in the world. And the select they were selected to provide cargo delivery, return, and disposal services for the International Space Station under NASA's Commercial Resupply Services uh, 2 contract. Uh, it's safe, affordable, flexible, and reliable system designed to provide crewed and uncrewed transportation services to low-orbit destinations, such as the space station and future commercial infrastructures. Uh, so all that stuff aside, the, the great thing to take away from this is that the European Space Agency and a team of European industrial contractors uh, led by uh, Kinetic, uh, Q-I-N-E-T-I-Q. Uh, they uh, finalized an agreement with Sierra Nevada Corporation to use um, Europe's international berthing docking mechanism on the Dream Chaser space plan. So essentially, the ESA is looking towards using this as a way to access space, which is great. I mean, this is the great thing about developing these technologies. You know, someone has a need for them. Um, and, you know, it's not just NASA. You know, so that's that's great. I'm just glad that the Dream Chaser 
is finding a place that it it has uses. Um, so uh, all good news here, and that does it for orbital news. Now what we're going to go into is from the March for Science. So taking a look at this, uh, most all, we're going to start with the recordings and just play the way play all the way through. Um, it's our time, me and Sarah, at the March for Science, talking about what's going on, giving our thoughts, and then we'll follow up with uh, what our thoughts were afterwards, after we kind of let it all soak in and moved on uh, with what's our next step. So uh, without further ado, uh, thank you for listening, and please enjoy uh, our thoughts for the March for Science. Well into the 1960s. Okay, so we are here at the March of Science. It's towards the end here, 340, 345, something like that. It's about yeah. the end of four. Yeah. So let's have Sarah here with me. Hey. So thank you for joining me. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Over the past so what, what's your overall take? I mean, we showed up a little bit late. Yeah, we did. But, uh, what's your overall take here? And, you know, it was cool to see so many people out here on Earth Day supporting science. You know, um, everyone had hilarious signs, and, um, you know, there were some really good ones. Yeah, I was impressed. Um, but as, as a person of science, it's nice to see people out to support science. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, I mean, it's very good to see people. There's definitely people who are still out here, which is nice. Uh, but from what I heard, uh, there's definitely a lot less people than before. So that, yeah. that is a little bit concerning. That's one of the things I, I'm definitely worried about uh, long term here. For If anyone's going to stand up for anything, just because it's rainy and cold, you know, you can't just leave if you really support something. That, that's kind of my opinion. But I don't know. What's, what's your take on it? I don't know. They, they came... They came, they saw, they conquered, you know. They didn't make it till the very end, but they were here. And there's still a lot of people here, so. It is true. It was a good day. I agree. I agree. Still a lot of people here. Um, I, I will say there's definitely a lot, a mixed message of things here. There's definitely things that don't have anything to do with science. <laughs> no, no. Or anything to do with Earth Day. No. But I think that's just, uh, anytime you get a group of people together about a cause, things are going to get hijacked. Just, things are going to get weird. Yeah, yeah. So they're going to get weird. Well, the closer we got to uh, the vocal stands, the weirder it seemed to get. Um, definitely something I observed. Because uh, it is, we are here for science, so we are going to talk a little bit about observation, so... Um, some some interesting things we saw um, was Beaker. Beaker. Beaker was here. Yeah. Beaker was here with a sign that said Meep. <laughs> that was incredible. Which was the best thing I think I've seen all day. Um, a lot of excellent science um, signs, but um, we we did see a um, a communist flag. Yeah, there is a communist flag behind us, and they're, they're, it, it is very strange. The the group of people that are here. There's also groups that are actually advocating uh, violence. Um, <laughs> Which I, I think is a very interesting take. <laughs> my, one of my favorite signs was "It's so bad the Buddhists are angry." That, that is a good sign. I'll, I'll, I'll give him that one. I'll give him that one. We, we may actually go back and try and talk to her if she's still there. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting to see. Um, There's a biologist running for office that we saw. Yes, that was me. Yep. yep. That was me. Hopefully, he'll still be there when we head back. Yep. Uh, um, yeah. Very interesting. Uh, glad to see people are still out and uh, here, which is good to see. Yeah, in, Bo- in Boston. In Boston. Uh, the other thing uh, is definitely, it's really funny because you, you kind of want to make eye contact with someone who has a good sign, and, and you want to say, hey, that's a great sign, but people are so awkward here socially. Um, like in Boston, you don't talk to people in line at a grocery store. Nope. Like nope. That's just not what happens. So I learned that the hard way, coming from Pennsylvania. Yeah. Yes. It's very different. 
So it's really interesting to see that uh, you try and connect with people in real life, but they'd probably much rather to have you tweet them yeah. than actually talk to them in real life. Safer that way, yeah. I guess so. I guess so. But We cannot let American create Definitely, if, if we can actually get together and start talking as people, we're going to get a lot more done. Right. We, we can't just put up this wall of uh, the internet and expect it to happen. It doesn't work that way. No. It doesn't. But, all right. So, hopefully we'll have some more to talk about, and uh, we'll see what's up. Can we, can we just talk about <laughs> how nerdy everyone is here? It's amazing! I mean, we literally just walked by someone who had a, a space sign. I'm trying to interact with people with space signs, and it's like trying to drag them down to hell. Like, it's... <laughs> It's like they're trying to... Eye contact to save their lives. They're just resisting it. It's hilarious. But, I don't know. Hopefully we'll find someone that's willing to talk here at some point. God, nerds, man. And it's just... It's just... You start walking around. You think it's a march for science. And then all of a sudden... It just gets weird. Like, that seems... Freaking to... weird. It's Boston. It's Boston. Well, it, it's Boston, but at the same time, it's like, there's just a lot of people here who are just here to say whatever they want. They're not actually here to say what the event is. Now, this is... I'm pretty excited about. We're at the Kids March for Science uh, now. It's pretty exciting. They yeah. had a, uh, what was it, a scientific magician up earlier? Yeah. Yeah. I, I have some problems with that, but <laughs> we're going to let it go because it's for the kids. Alright, so, end of the march here. What are your final thoughts? I have to go first? Yeah. <laughs> well, it was a cold and rainy day, but um, it was awesome to come celebrate Earth and science and uh, the future of our planet in science. Beautiful. Uh, I will say, you know, it's good to see people coming out for a cause, uh, but we're definitely far away from actually making some serious change here. Um, we've got to have a little more cohesive message. We're going to reach out to people that aren't interested. That's that's my opinion. Yeah. Alright, and that's it. We are back at Today in Space Studios, and it's post-March. Yeah. And I had a bit of a tantrum <laughs> while we were out at the march. That's a good word for it. Yeah. It, is... it was an adult tantrum. I had to slap you around a little bit. No, and I appreciate it. I mean, you you are kind of unofficially and officially my sounding board, so um, <laughs> I, I, do, I I really do appreciate it. Like I, you know, we if you couldn't tell from my tone from talking, I was irritated. Yeah. You yeah. know, and and we talked it up because that's one of the things I've I've started doing as I've gotten a little bit older, and I'm trying to grow as a person. Is when that stuff happens, I don't necessarily know what it is, but I mm. know that something's going on. So I try and dive in, and and you know. Luckily, I have someone like you who's who's there to to talk it through with me. Yeah. And I I think what ultimately I was really irritated about was that there's there's a serious there's there's always been a problem in science with mm -hmm. communication and the stakes are pretty high right now as right. far as this is kind of a in my opinion it's a make or break point in science and i think that's why it's so important that we had this march and right. it did do good it absolutely did like we uh we were in the car coming back from the march and the radio was talking about the march yeah. for science so you know and even though they made a corny joke afterwards it doesn't <laughs> matter the 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 win was ours we mm -hmm. we got the conversation started on on twitter the space pan squad has been going crazy and and people from across the world were chiming in and saying hey we're here checking in at the base camp of mount everest or in prague or and it was like so around the world people were standing up for it 
It's amazing. I get chills just thinking about it. And part of the reason I had an adult tantrum was because I, my expectations were a little too high. Yeah. And I had never been to an event like that before. I've never mm. been to a march or a rally before. And, and, oh. and yeah, and, and you had kind of pure chaos. Yeah, yeah and you had kind of <laughs> said because one of the things that bothered me was the only people that were talking. Because I talked about it in in the recordings you heard while we were walking around. That you know, nerds like they're just not being communicable. They're not talking to each other. They, they there's a social awkwardness, and that's. Right. I'm not mad at anyone who's social awkward, and I hope that didn't come across. And if, if you thought I was, I apologize. What I was upset was is we, we all took the time to make a sign. We all took the time to go out for this march. And I've got people online around the world talking, and you're in front of me, and you don't want to talk to me. Yeah. You know? And yeah. I'm on your team. Right. Well, the other thing that you expressed to me was that, and I I believe was also in the recording about how there were so many other groups of people who were, um, who were there, who weren't really interested in our cause or had a ridiculous way of going about it. If they Mm -hmm. were at all interested, um, and they were talking more and, and were, being and more communicating. The yeah. yeah. They were talking the loudest. And, you know, what we talked about was that, you know, this has always been an issue in science that we've never had a, a leader to really make change or there's never been a great way that science has been communicated to the public. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that I'm necessarily that leader, but... No, no. I, I, you it's know. just important... It's important to put that yeah, it's that true emphasis on what we do as scientists. If if we don't put things in a way that is clear to everyone, that is inclusive to everyone, mm-hmm. you know, then our message gets lost because people are angry that we're you know high scientists that mm-hmm. you know are oh they're too smart. I, I damn magicians. Yeah, yeah. you know, I, there's no place for me in science. I can't understand. Right, you know. I don't, you know, this isn't for me. Mm-hmm. And, and that's just not true. Science is for everyone. Right. And it's not so much that we need a leader, but so another thing we talked about was a lot of us, especially me and a few friends of mine that I talked to that were there, we were kind of going there looking for some answers. We leadership. were leadership. Yes, yeah. that's what I'm saying. Yeah, we were looking for some answers on, okay, what's the next step? We're here. Now let's talk about, while we're all here, so we're not wasting anyone's time, let's take the opportunity and say, what can we all do? And one of the last speakers actually did yeah. talk about that. And his message is something that I've been talking about, is something you've talked about, and I think a lot of us are, 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 are in agreement with that if you're passionate about science, talk to other people about why you're passionate about it. You know, you don't have to be technical. You don't have to be 100% correct. And you don't have to be this this research person that has all the answers because that's just a, that's an oxymoron. But <laughs> um, so I, I kind of pulled away from it. It was like, okay, so then what can we do? Right. As individuals. So, exactly. As individuals so that we can work together for the greater good of everybody. Right. So some of the things I thought of right off the bat, and it's, I don't want everybody to start a podcast. I think they should, but I, it's not reasonable. You right. know, people have other things in their lives, and, and there's other priorities. So you can't all start a podcast. I recommend if you want to, you should go for it, but you can't. 
all the time. And you can't always start a YouTube channel. Like some people just don't have that. So, but they're still passionate. So talk to your friends, Mm -hmm. talk to your family, share the things that you're excited about. You know, I think one of the things that turns a lot of people off of politics is the negative connotation that it's always this things are bad. So we need to do something, but science has, has answers and it has answers through a process. Right. The other thing we talked about is, and, and some of the things that we were frustrated about, about the speakers who were there was, was, and one of the signs that I saw was like, science is truth or something like that. Mm. Or, or another one that I had saw was, uh, was the truth shouldn't be hard to swallow, which is ironic because the truth is always hard to swallow. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you've talked about it a lot on the show lately, but as scientists, it's important to say that we don't have all the answers mm-hmm. and, and to qualify exactly what you mean when you say science is truth because science is only truth when you talk about the very specifics of your experiment mm-hmm. in this situation with these given variables you know this happened at this time at this place you know it's important to say all of those things otherwise it's not truth Mm -hmm. otherwise it's a lie yep and that's the cornerstone of of those of us who've gone through the scientific education process who have gotten ourselves beaten over the head metaphorically on doing research papers Mm -hmm. on knowing what good research is on Mm -hmm. learning what bad science is Mm -hmm. You know, and and something that I've talked about before on the show, and, and we, we, we talked about it too, we've both been there, is that as long as you state all your conditions right. for your experiment, whatever that might be, as long as you state all your conditions and you show what you got, and you got results that support your hypothesis or your theory, or right? Even if you didn't. Or even if you didn't. As long as you show those that under these conditions this happens, you are never wrong. Right. My, my, my sign... So that's maybe what the truth is. Well, well, yeah. yeah. My, my sign was well. One of my signs was theory, uh, th- facts before theories, not theories before facts. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important, you know, to keep in mind. That was one of the the things that you know I'm really passionate about. Is and and, and we talked briefly about this on the way back about how science is funded, and that's part of what you know the march was about was trying to educate people about you know how science is funded it's funded by the government in, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways or it's funded by private organizations that have right. some sort of agenda generally mm-hmm. so you're either being paid to do research for research sake mm-hmm. or you're being paid privately through an organization that that's looking to make profit always is yeah. is looking for some sort of answer they want you to do research that finds a particular right result right right and as most of us know in 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 science or statistics you know i can make a graph say anything i wanted to mm-hmm. you know because that's you, you can manipulate the Data. results of of any sort of experiment mm-hmm. If it's not done appropriately, yep. you know, and one you of can the, manipulate data. And one of the greatest things I was ever taught uh, in high school was a statistics class. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the guy was so animated and talked about great things. But the most important thing that he taught all of us was he had all of us buy this book that 
but it was like five bucks. It's a small little book, maybe a hundred pages, maybe. And it's called How to Lie with Statistics. Mm-hmm. And he had us read us at read it at the beginning of the class so that we understood that everything we're learning is can be used to lie. And in fact, you've been lied to before. Yeah. With statistics. Nine out of ten dentists recommend this toothpaste. Yeah. It's like what dentists? Right. Yeah. How did you choose? Where did your you sample? get the dentist? Yeah. Did you pay all the dentists? Right. Were they? Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. And 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 so and, and so there's always an agenda. So don't just think that you know it's just private companies that have an agenda. The government has an agenda too. Every Often. every person and not all has an agenda. Companies have an agenda. No. no, but but there is an agenda. The, uh, it, it inevitably, like an agenda could simply be: look, we're trying to sell this product, and customers aren't getting it. How do we teach? How do we show them why they should have our product? That's an agenda, but that's not evil it's not but it's just something to understand like it, it right. is it is i just didn't want that to go uh untouched but ultimately to, to, to pull away from this is that it was a great day it really it was, was a great day. especially around the world the fact that people yeah. came together used the internet and and came together actually in real life <laughs> and took the effort to make signs and took the effort to come out that's a beautiful thing to see that that people didn't just stay at home uh, so despite the fact that it was raining and cold and miserable out, yes, at least in yes. Boston, yeah. And and granted, I mean, you know, one of the things I wanted to do and probably added to my tantrum was that I said online I was going to get interviews with people, and I couldn't get a single, not even people that were working the event, I could get to talk to me. You know, uh, <clears throat> I literally talked to someone, and they're like, "No, sorry, I'm working," and it was like, "What? Like, you're working at the event? Like, what? It was just, it was just." I had my expect- expectations dialed in too high um, because I, I'm very passionate about this and mm-hmm. that's where it comes from. Um, and so I, the message, hopefully, you can pull away from this is if you're passionate about science, find a way to talk to people about it. Yeah. We all need to communicate as scientists. In a way that's inclusive. Yes. Um, you know, we don't have to use big words. No. You know, we're not we're not here to, to show a professor that we should get an A. We're not here to try and you know, show that we're the smartest person in the room. We're just, all we need to do, it's very simple, is we just need to share what we're passionate about. And if we can do that in whatever capacity we're able to. And share what we're learning. Yeah. Through science. Exactly. And if we can do, as my sign said, if we can spread love and we can spread science, then we're all going to be better for it. Truth. And that's hopefully what I hope everyone takes away from this. So thank you for coming with me to the march. Yeah, it was so fun. It was good. It really it was. was. Uh, my tantrum is over. I've grown a little bit as a person. <laughs> we can all move all in with our lives. Uh, next week, I'm going to have John on the show. Uh, my good friend John has been on a few times. We usually talk about movies. We've talked about space politics. Um, but next week, we're going to talk about something we just touched on, which is truth. And we're also going to talk about what's going on in today's world, which is fake news. So we're going to talk about that. Exactly. Exactly. So it's going to be a bit of a conundrum, folks. But please, if you want to work out your mind and you want to get in there, please listen. It's going to be a fun show. So, Sarah, thank you for coming on. Thank you. And as always, spread love, spread science, and have a great week, everybody. Talk to you soon.